those listening on, uh, online that aren't familiar with us and those on the phone, uh, I'm, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to uh, get the honor of bringing you today uh, a message. And this is supposed to be, um, we call it meat and potatoes, uh, meat and potatoes descriptions of caviar ideas. Uh, and I got to tell you, today we're talking about justification, and it is the toughest one to to just talk to you in meat and potatoes language about this complicated and absolutely astonishing theological idea. So I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, we're going to be, be reading from Romans, and we're going to, uh, I'm going to quote a couple of different people, and they use some, some, uh, some technical language that I will try to clean up on the fly. Uh, I'm not saying that they didn't do a good job with it, but if, if, you're, if you're not a theologian, if you're not day-to-day in the stuff... Uh, some of these words will just confuse that which we're trying to explain. So, but before we get started, I want to just to kind of lighten things up. Um, I talked to Marv Vanabos this morning, and Marv last night had an opportunity to sing. And when he began to sing, right before he began to sing, everybody there, it's about 5,000 people, stood up. And then when he finished, standing ovation. Before they sat down, they kept clapping. National anthem, but... That is almost exactly how he told me about it, so that was beautiful. <laughs> so uh, let, me, let me pray, and then we'll start uh, chewing on and walking through this complicated but glorious theological idea. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bless you. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, I want to thank you for justification, because this, this, is, this is one of the foundational things of all of the gospel that's, that you do for us when we deserve none of it. It's not because of our merit, it's because of yours. So Lord, as I try to communicate the truth of this concept, I ask that you stand in my shoes, that you give me your thoughts, and that you speak with my mouth so that we hear and are reminded of your great love for us and the thing that you've done to make us right with you. It is so familiar that often we can forget how powerful it is. So Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear. And Lord, if there's anybody in the room or joining us on the phone or online that has not been justified yet, let them hear. Let them hear your heart in it. And then Lord, hear their prayer so that they start today as one justified before you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. So I'm going to read from Romans 3, and I'm going to tell you it starts kind of bad news, and then it turns into good news that doesn't sound like good news, and then it's good news. Um, So it reads like this. Now the first part kind of jumps up to the section ahead, but I just don't like dividing up you know, if there's a paragraph, I don't like starting mid-paragraph. So the first, uh, first sentence, maybe the first two or three sentences, read the beginning of Romans 3 so you know what the context there is. So, so Paul says, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that the Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. And then he explains that. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not 
even when their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's bad news, because when it says no one or all, that means me and you. No one, you're part of no one, right? And you're part of all. That doesn't sound good at all. It sounds like there's just absolute hopelessness, like God has called an apostle to tell us that we're all doomed. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in, the sight, in, in his sight by observing the law. Rather, this is the good news, rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Now, that doesn't sound like good news, but it is. Wait. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testified. The righteousness from God, this righteousness from God, comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ or by Christ Jesus, excuse me. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That's complicated, but it's glorious. We're going to talk about atonement. I think it's next week. And and, and in fact, one of the pastors said, we should have talked about atonement before we talked about justification. But you can't really talk about justification if we don't understand the difference between justification and sanctification. We've already talked about sanctification. That's Jesus loves you just the way you are. He refuses to leave you that way. The process by which he does not leave you that way, we call sanctification. But justification and sanctification are related, but they're different. And to understand what Jesus did in the atonement, we have to understand how, what it means when we appropriate, when we, when we take what Jesus did on the cross and make it our own. What happens to us. Sanctification is what happens in us. But what happens to us? Well, it's, a, it's, it's something called justification. And I'm gonna, this is not theological, this part, but I'm going to tell you this story, and it won't sound like justification, but it's a great story about justification. So I keep telling you it's not going to sound like or it's not going to be, but you'll see what I'm saying here in a second. Years ago... This is from a, a guy named Dr. Roy Gustafson. Years ago, so this is when you had to cable, um, when you were in a foreign country, you couldn't just text or you couldn't just pick up a, a, a cell phone and you couldn't use a pay phone. You had to actually cable, like wire someone a message. So this guy um, decided that he was going to, he lives in England. He's going to take his, his brand new Rolls Royce. He put it on a, on a boat, went across the English Channel and then toured all of Europe in his Rolls Royce. But as he's going along, in his rolls, something goes wrong with the motor, the engine. And so he had to wire 
the people at Rolls-Royce to say, what, what should I do? Because it's not a, a, an engine that everybody in Europe could work on. So they picked up a guy, or they, they, they grabbed a guy, a mechanic, and they put him on a, a, a prop plane, and they sent him to where this, the, the guy on holiday was. And, and the mechanic brought his tools. He fixed the car. Now, the gentleman who was touring around Europe got to continue on his holiday, and he was thrilled that they would send a mechanic to him to fix things. But like all of us, he's probably, well, Gustafson, that's German, that's not Dutch, but he's probably in his head, he's like, what's that going to cost me? I mean, they flew a mechanic over. This is going to be outrageous. So when he finally finished holiday and got home, he wired them or sent them a letter and, and, and asked, hey, thank you, but what's this going to cost? And this is the reply that he got weeks later. Dear sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything has ever, has ever gone wrong with a Rolls Royce. That, my friends, is justification. It is to be treated by God as if you have never sinned. That is, that is the gospel. Now, atonement, or excuse me, pardon or forgiveness of sins, we would think, well, isn't that what that is? No. Here's the difference. Forgiveness of sins is to have blotted out all things past. Justification is an act of God from outside of you, from outside of me, with no, no basis on how good you are, that you will for now, from this point forward, and forevermore be treated as if you have never sinned. That is, that is what God has done. And we can get so caught up as, as, as theological types and preacher types, we can get so caught up in the minutia of back and forth and all that. But if you are justified freely by his grace through the blood and the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then you by God have been declared righteous in his sight as if you have never sinned. You have been forgiven of past sins, but he decides to treat you from this, that point forward as if you have never sinned. And one of the ways that he makes you more and more holy is what we talked about with sanctification. So forgiveness or pardon for sin is from the day before the day you were justified, all those sins are gone. And from the day you were justified forever, you're treated as if you never sinned. Think about the, the apostle Paul. If you want to know what justification is, Think about the Apostle Paul, a persecutor of the church, one who lived under the law and says, as in regards to the, to the law, faultless. That doesn't mean he never sinned. It means that when he did, he always did the right thing to make himself right with God again. But make himself right with God is what he was trying to do. And honestly, that's what most of us try to do most of the time. We want to appease God. We want to make ourselves right with God. But folks, it is not, none of us can, at, at judgment, can say, Lord, look what I've done. All we have. And in fact, it's what we're expected to do. All we have is the perfection of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, the, the faithfulness to the covenant of God of Jesus, the one who never sinned. We're treated as if we are righteous to the extent that Jesus is righteous. It's called imputed righteousness. Paul believed God. Paul behaved as if he was, he was, he was saving 
God's reputation and the Jewish religion from Christians. And then he had this, this, this encounter with Christ. Christ appeared to him. And why are you persecuting me? Paul didn't even know who he was. Who, who are you? I'm Jesus. And he transforms Paul in such a way that from three to 13 years later, it depends on what theologian you talk to, but from three to 13 years, I don't talk to many theologians. depends on which theologian you read. Paul was blinded, remember that? And he went and, 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 he, and Christ himself instructed him. When he talks about the, uh, he, he talks about the words of institution of communion, he says, this I received from Christ himself. So Christ continued to appear to Paul, and, and, and whether in, in just in prayer or physically, I don't know, but he transformed Paul in such a way that Paul decided, because of God's instruction, that Paul is counted now as someone who has never sinned. He's forgiven, and now he's justified, and Paul's whole life from that point forward changed. And so he went with all the confidence that comes from Christ's justification to the known world, went around the known world three times, proclaiming the gospel. They beat him for it. He was shipwrecked for it. He, he, he received lashings for it. He was in prison for it. He was even, 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 even uh, bitten by a viper, by a poisonous snake. Didn't hurt him, but nevertheless. Paul, if you want to know a picture of justification, besides the Rolls-Royce thing, we, uh, sir, there is no record that anything has ever gone wrong with a Rolls-Royce. That is how God treats you. And if you want to have a picture of that, Paul is the picture of justification. That's why I believe Paul goes overboard all the time when he talks about justification. He says that, that without Christ and him crucified, all of this is worthless. None of it matters. Now, I'm going to get a little technical here, but I want you to, to see that what you're hearing from me isn't just from me. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, that's the Presbyterians have this, it's kind of like our Heidelberg, but it's, it's, it's for the Presbyterians, and, and, and there's some beautiful stuff in there. Like, one of the things it says is, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. I mean, there's some beautiful theological statements in there, but it says this, justification is an act of God's free grace. He pardons our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight because of the righteousness of, that, of Christ being imputed or taken from Christ and credited or put onto me and you. It's received by faith alone. Now, the difference is between justification, God treating you as if you've never sinned, and sanctification, he loves you just the way you are, but refuses to leave you that way. How he does not leave you that way. Think of it like this. And I don't think that the Godhead is divided. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But think of it like this. Father is the judge, and he declares you justified. He declares you innocent. You have, ne you have been forgiven of sin, but he chooses to treat you from this point forward as if you have never sinned. The Holy Spirit works within you to make you look like you're not a sinner. So God the Father declares you righteous, justified. God the Holy Spirit continues to make you more sinless. But it goes further. Justification removes the guilt of sin and restores the sinner to all of the filial, which means a child of God, 
all the filial rights involved in his state as a child of God, including eternal inheritance. Sanctification removes the pollution of sin and renews the sinner ever increasingly in conformity with the image of God. I know those are technical words. Number two, justification takes place outside the sinner in the tribunal or in the courtroom of God and does not change his inner life. Though the, uh, through, though the sentence is brought home on him subjectively. So it's, it doesn't happen. It, it's for him, but it comes from outside. Sanctification, on the other hand, takes place in the inner life of a man and gradually affects his whole being. Number three, justification takes place once for all. It's not a process. It doesn't, you don't get a little justified and a little bit more justified and a little bit more justified and a little bit more justified. You are declared once and for all as if you have never sinned and you're declared righteous. The righteousness of Christ is put upon you. Sanctification is a continual process, which is never completed in this life. Finally, number four, the meritorious cause. So that means on whose merit, whose goodness causes justification. While the meritorious cause of both justification and sanctification lies on the merits of Christ, there is a difference in the efficient cause. Speaking economically, God the Father declares the sinner righteous, and God the Holy Spirit makes him so, sanctifies him. Now, I know that's complicated stuff, and I'm not saying you're not capable of understanding it. I just know that all these Asian words can get, can get us kind of caught up. So, if you are justified, God looks at you as if you are as holy as, as Christ. And there's nothing you can do to change his mind. If you are justified, when God sees you, you have never sinned. Ever. Now, you know you've sinned. I know I've sinned. But God chooses to remember your sin no more. And not only to forgive it, what's happened in the past, but to treat you as if you have the glorious righteousness, the perfection of Christ. What? When you made profession of faith, when you went to Camp Geneva, when you went to another camp, when you went to a Bible camp, when you, when you sat with your, with your parents at 5, 15, doesn't matter. When you, when, you, when you said to the Lord, whether it was a, a one-time thing like for me on August 5th, 1981, when I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The act of being saved is the act of justification. From that point forward... God only sees the perfection of Christ. He will not, cannot, and, and will never hold against you. He will not see. He will not hold against you. He's not capable any longer of holding you accountable for your own sin because he's chosen once for all to treat you as if you have never sinned. Now, some would argue that this makes God soft on sin, I couldn't disagree more. For the wages, what we earn from sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. It scares me that we can become so accustomed to what God has done that we forget what God has done. You, if you're justified, cannot go to hell. And if you're not, you cannot go to heaven. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Those sins must be forgiven by God. And in order to be seen by God as one who has never sinned, you must be justified. So let me read this, this, this first passage that we read. Again, I'm going to start in verse 10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious that our need for forgiveness is made known. But now, a righteousness from God apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets both testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus. To all who believe, there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left all the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so that he, so as to be just and the one who justified those who have faith in Jesus. If you were God, would you do that? For people who thumb their nose at you, who know exactly what you want them to do and choose over and over and over again to do the other way. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. There are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, your will be done. And those to whom God says, all right, have it your way. This is, I want to cry. I'm not going to. I'm biting, my, biting down on my lip. It scares me that we're not amazed by it anymore. It scares me that I'm not amazed by it anymore. 
because I've been living justified for so long, I forget how much I needed God to say in his courtroom, Trent Walker has never sinned. He's removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. He says to me, gone are your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me because I've bought you back. I've redeemed you. And the scriptures say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I ask you today, those of you on the phone, those of you online, if you know that you've been justified, say so. If you know that you've been declared righteous, not because you are, but because Christ is. And God the Father looks at you, God the Father, who's going to judge all, looks at you and says, when you come up and you go, you're like, oh, Lord, I've just, he's like, I, I, you've never sinned. Now, you know you have. He knows you have, but he's chosen to not hold that against you. It's been brought up for the last time. If he has done that for you, if you've received or appropriated that for yourself by just by, by saying to God, I know who you are, I know what you've done in the person of Jesus Christ. If, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. Then say so. Today, thank God for his justification. Thank God that he is just because he punished your sin, but he's also the one who justifies you through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And if you have not been justified, if you have not appropriated onto yourself, if you have not received the gift of God that he has offered to you so freely, then today's the day. Today's the day to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you will be saved. And when you're saved, your past sins are gone and your future sins do not exist. He will treat you as if you are sinless like his son, Jesus. That is, that is overwhelmingly full of grace. And grace, we've used that word a lot today. It just means getting what you don't deserve. See, justification doesn't give you what you do deserve. It takes away what you have coming to you. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. It takes it away. Past and future. And it's already done. And it's not a process. There's nothing you can do to make it go away. You can choose to not receive it. Or you can choose to let it be. And I hope to God that if you have not let it be yet, that you will let it be today. When I close in prayer, I'm going to just... I'm going to pray a prayer of confession. And if you've never prayed something like this, or if you've been drifting, join me in it again so that you can understand and know, believe and trust that God himself declared you perfect because of his son. He imputed the perfection of Christ onto you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, my God, when I, in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds your hands have made, that you, your scripture, one of your, one of your authors says, what is man that God would be mindful of us? Lord, I don't know, because I know we're 
fickle? I'll make this personal. Lord, I know I'm fickle. I know that what I feel and what I want to do are not trustworthy. But you are. You've seen my wickedness. You've seen my selfishness. You've seen all the, you've heard all the thoughts that I've never uttered. And you, you decided that I'm going to remove those from you as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, for some reason in your courtroom, you declared me innocent for all time as if I've never committed a sin. Thank you. You paid. You got my paycheck, Lord. My wages. That's death. And then you gave me what I do not deserve. Righteousness. Perfection. You justified me. Lord, I ask you to give me today the righteousness of Christ. And I ask you too, if you haven't already, to forgive me my sins and to declare me justified in your sight. I pray this in Jesus' name, my Lord and Savior, through the power of the Spirit that lives within me, making me more holy, for the glory of God my Father. Amen.